Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? I hope everyone's enjoying their long Labor Day weekend. We get tomorrow off. I know I'm excited about it. You know, Labor Day is the official end of summer. But I don't think they told Mother Nature this morning that, did they? The great thing about Labor Day is you get onto the beach and the hotels and such become reduced prices starting next week. The only bad thing is Brits Donuts is going to be closed. So, hey, not only is it Labor Day, but what's September all about? Do we know what September is about? That's right. In the Celebrate Recovery World, it's uh, Celebrate Recovery Month. It's also National Drug Awareness Month. So I started doing a little bit of research for drug awareness. According to the CDC last year, we hit an all-time high. There was 105 deaths related to drug overdoses last year. In 2020, it was only 70, I shouldn't, shouldn't only say only, it was 78,000 deaths in 2020. So compared to 2020 and 2021, there's a 28.5% increase in drug overdoses between those two years. So I started doing a little bit more research, and I'm like, man, why is this going on? So according to the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services, their quote is, stress, loss of housing, loss of employment during the COVID-19 pandemic has led to a backslide in our fight against substance use disorders. And it got me thinking, man, yeah, I get it. The pandemic made, it, made us isolate, right? We're the kind of people, I know for me, I'm the kind of person that I need to have that communal connection. Zoom, FaceTime, that didn't work for me. I, I need those face-to-face -face, uh, communications, face-to-face -face interactions, and it just wasn't working. So I started thinking a little bit more. I'm like, man, why are we looking to the left and to the right instead of looking upwards? Why, why, why do we do that? Then my favorite verse that came to my head says Romans 12.2. NIV, the NIV version says, once I find it here, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So then, you know, for me, that's my life verse, right? Do not look to the left and right, but rather keep looking vertical. Because why am I going to compare myself to the world? Why am I going to start looking to the world for what makes me happy? And that's really what drug abuse is all about. We get stressed out. Things start happening. You start talking to your buddies, and they're like, dude, what am I going to do to get, o you know, get over the stress in my life? Hey, man, try this. This will calm you down, or this will pick you up. And then next thing you know, you're hooked. Then I started looking at the different translations of Romans 12, too. I found this great one. Isn't it funny how when, when, you, when you're reading the Bible and you've read this passage many different times, and then you read a different translation of it? And it just clicks. That's what did it for me. The Good News Translation, I like the way it says it. It says, do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. 
You see, it's not us. We make that initial decision, but it's God who works in us. It's that inward transformation. Then you'll be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to him and is perfect. That's the good news translation. It broke it down so plainly for me, that little light bulb went off, and it's like, dude, it's not me. It's God working in me that makes me transform. So the word for today is transformation. If you get nothing out of today, I want you to take away, how am I being transformed? And what am I doing to transform myself? As I said, you see, during the pandemic, we're, we're forced to isolate ourselves. We're not created to be in isolation, but rather to commune with one another. I'd much rather speak with someone face-to-face, but however, we couldn't do that in the environment we're in. If you go back to Romans 12, 2, and it says, let God transform us inwardly. I know for me, transformation wasn't, you know, God, Jesus, I accept you in the life, and bam, I'm changed. That didn't happen for me. It took me a while to, be, to have that transformation where I was freed from all these worldly habits. It can work for some folks miraculously that way, but not for me. And for most of us, it took time for God to work on me and get me to where I am today. You see, in Celebrate Recovery, we say, keep coming back. It took you a long time to pick up whatever that hurt habit or hang-up you have is. It's going to take you a while to lay that back down. you got to give God time to work inside you. And really, it's not letting God work inside you. Really, it's you surrendering to him to let him work inside you. That's the main point. Because... I don't know about you guys, but for me, one of my things was control. I want to be in charge of everything, and I was afraid to give up that control and let God work in me. That's why it took me so long for the light bulbs to go off to get me to where I am today. This is why Romans 12, 2 is my life verse. So that I don't focus on the attention of the world, but rather I keep my eyes locked on Jesus. Now, I could stand up here and I could preach and nothing against Bill and J.D. They give great messages, but that's not my purpose today. I could sit here and give you a 25, 30-minute talk on, on transformation, but that's not the plan for today. Instead of me talking about it, I'd much rather show you. Every other week in Celebrate Recovery, we have this thing called the testimonies. One week we'll do a lesson, we'll, we'll teach something, and then the next week we'll give a testimony. And that's so when that newcomer comes in, they hear that person's testimony, they're like, man, you know what? I'm not as jacked up as I thought I was. That person did it. Well, I can do it too. So today that's what what I want to do is uh, one of our members has volunteered. He's a great brother of mine. I can rely on him at any time. Anytime I need to talk, I can give him a call. A lot of us can say the same thing. He's got a great voice an energetic attitude, and a love for people. He's been chomping at the bit to get up here and tell you guys his story. Show the world how Jesus is working in his life. So please, everyone, give me a big round of applause for Doc as we welcome him into the stage. Ask me to come up sooner. <laughs> All right. 
Can you hear me now? Amen. So, Paul, thank you. Uh, probably one of the most jacked up people in the church allowed me to come up here and share my story. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, let's go ahead and pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the opportunity where I can share your story and how you have transformed me, given you the glory. Father God, I just hope that there's one person here at church or one person online that this message might just cause you to start your transformation today. Father God, I give you the glory and ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, so hey, I am a faith believer in Jesus Christ, and I have victory over alcohol, drugs, isolation, and I finally have victory over codependency, and my name's Doc. I was born and raised as an all-American boy. My parents were young, and they lived the American dream back in the 70s. Dad was a Vietnam vet, uh, disabled vet, and mom was the Christian homemaker. Life seemed perfect from what I can remember. The pictures I still have show a loving family, one and a half kids, small home. Dad worked, and mom took care of the home. It was the Hallmark family that you see on Christmas specials now. All that changed when I was 10 years old. And if I think about it, this is when my Hallmark world would start come crashing down. I was involved with so many activities at a young age, and these carried over through my teen years. I was in scouts, uh, attaining my arrow of light, super heavy involved with sports, baseball, basketball, football, year-round. And Dad always took me to every single one of my games, practices, parades, and events. These were the best days of my life. Me and Dad, the dynamic duo, and my biggest fan. He coached my teams in just about every sport, and let me tell you, he never took it easy on me or the other kids. You see, being a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps, this was carried over to me and my brother. We were taught to show no emotion, no pain, and to always move forward. My parents went through an ugly divorce, and back in the 70s, this was just not a common thing. It was the big news in town. And I vaguely remember that it being an issue for me, I did have to seek counseling in elementary school for anger and separation anxiety. Who does that as an elementary school kid? This kid, this guy. I remember that I had to go to the courthouse and the judge asked me, boy, who do you want to live with? I'm not a child psychologist. However, I think that making a child choose between parents, especially in a courthouse, is a bad idea. I chose dad, and my brother chose my mom. From this point forward, it was me and my dad against the world. We lived in a house, and mom eventually moved out, and she started her journey of freedom and exploration. <laughs> you see, she was raised in a strong church-bound family, and when the opportunity arose itself to explore her freedom, she took it, and she never looked back. We would see mom on weekends, uh, the drinking, uh, the sexual things that we saw, cleaning out mom's marijuana, using the sifter, and finally being put in the back of an old bobcat and driven around town while mom and her friends got high, blowing the smoke in the back. No wonder we enjoyed those rides. 
I remember mom brought an old prison bus and converted it to a camper. She dropped my brother off one day and she disappeared. She disappeared across country for a long time. I do not remember how long she was gone, but it really didn't matter to me. She abandoned us and she was gone and she did her thing. As long as I had dad, things were golden. My relationship with my mother would never be the same. However, I would end up idolizing my father. As I got into my teenage years, I recalled dad having fits. My grandmother called them fits or spells. And I remember one particular day, he was moaning, shaking, and just making just a god-awful noise. I had no idea what it was. I was terrified. I hid in the closet and made my little brother go out and check on dad when things quieted down. I did this for many years, hiding in the closet, fearful that my dad would die or turn into a monster. I later found out that my father was wounded in Vietnam, and he had a steel plate put in his head as he was injured and had a, uh, suffered a traumatic brain injury from shrapnel while in theater. These were called grandma seizures, and I was so fearful of this condition that I would remind him every single night like clockwork, Dad, take your medicine, and I was just terrified that he was going to have a seizure, a seizure while driving. Um, was this the start of my codependency? These memories still haunt me today, and as a kid, I would remember hearing him moan and go into those grandma seizures. Thank goodness they were mostly while he was asleep. This had a huge impact on me now that I think about it. My father was human, and he had issues. My father got remarried to a woman that he went to high school with, and they were friends for many years. She was not my mom, but if dad was happy, so be it. Things kind of went off the rails with the stepmother. I'm sure nobody's ever been there. Uh, she was in and out of mental institutions, and to this day, I do not know why my brother and I had to go visit, witnessing the depravity of mental wards back in the late 70s and early 80s was a terrifying experience. I'm not sure how they worked back then, but I can only assume that once you were cleared by a doctor and no longer crazy, they let you go home. But after the last visit to the psychology ward, she came home more aggravated and more aggressive than ever. She chased me and my brother regularly around the house trying to beat us. And the last time that she chased us, she chased us with a knife and she's saying that she was going to kill us. We had to hide in the basement. We hid behind the boiler and we waited for dad to get home. And if I recall, we stayed behind that furnace for most of the day. A few days later, my stepmother cornered me and I thought we were gonna have a good talk kind of like her apologizing for her actions. I assumed that hugging and kissing were normal actions. I was sexually assaulted by my stepmother when I was 13 years old. This was repressed for decades until I completed my first step study program. A few, few weeks later, I returned from school dreading 
having to sit at the house and wait on dad to get home because she was there and God only knew what was going to happen. She was not home that day and I rejoiced. Dad came home and we were deciding on dinner when the police showed up. I thought, man, I didn't do anything and I was really concerned for my brother. The police asked my father to step outside and he was gone for some time. When he returned, he simply stated that our stepmother had passed away on the operating table. She had taken a rifle and shot herself in the driveway in our family car. I recall not being sad or distraught. I actually felt at peace and relieved until my father broke down in agony. Remembering the Vietnam vet that nothing hurts you, fight through the pain, be a man, oorah and all that. Man, that was out the window. That destroyed me more than anything else to see my dad crying over someone that hurt, her ki- that hurt his kids. False idol. Mom got married not too long after dad buried his second wife. She got married to a biker hippie who turned out to be an abusive alcoholic that would end up beating on mom. See, being raised in a biker community with my mom and a stepfather, I learned a lot of things that a child should not have seen. I saw so much sex, drugs, violence, but being the son of a woman who would later date the president of a 1% club and a drug kingpin had its weird perks. I was able to drink in an early age at the bars. I had older women hitting on me and doing what biker old ladies do to the young and upcoming men. My mother was an alcoholic, a drug addict, who suffered with lupus and a plethora of other medical conditions. You see, inside the biker lifestyle, Sex was prevalent back in the 70s and 80s. There was no shame, punishment, or sexual deviance. I witnessed rape, homosexuality, pornography, and really off-the-wall deviance. And it seemed normal to me with no true adult figure to guide me. I thought this is what love was and this is what love must be all about. So mom ditched her second husband and once again began to randomly sleep with whomever she wanted to. So here I am, an 18-year-old young boy that has survived sexual abuse, sexual addictions, multiple divorces, suicides, and living in a broken family with no idea what an adult relationship was supposed to be. But I still graduated high school and I, was, and I graduated college. My father was proud. Even though being that Marine, he chose to quell his excitement on my first day of college. I remember leaving for college that day and dad dropping me off at the dorm, you know, expecting a hug. Hey, I love you, son. He extended his hand and he shook my hand and he gave me a $20 bill and he said, make this last all month. Once a Marine, always a Marine. So little did I know that the pain and suffering through my childhood would not compare to the pain that lays ahead of me. It's going to be a tough one. Today is September what? On September 3rd, 1988, the beginning of my adolescent drug addiction, alcohol abuse, 
and sexual addiction would be birthed at the cost of my hero, my father passing away. I was not able to say goodbye, and for the first time, I can remember becoming angry with God. How could you take my father away? How does this show me love? What did I do to you, God, to make you so angry at me that you would take away the only person that cared for me and protected me? Thank God for godly women. God kept in my life my granny. My granny took me under her wing from an early age. We stayed there more than we did with mom and dad. It was the refuge, even though we did not know it at the time. When dad had a seizure or mom was on a binge, we were always welcome at granny's house. She was the matriarch of our family, and regardless of how bad we were or what we had done, she always had an open door and loved us unconditionally, the prodigal son. She prayed for me feverishly, and when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, she was filled with tears of joy and helped me guide me in my young walk. Sadly, that walk would be a short walk, and I would again leave the umbrella of protection of God in the church, thinking that I knew what was best. The prodigal son will leave again. Proverbs 17, 21, to have a fool for a child brings grief. There is no joy for the parent of a godless fool. My drug addiction would start while living with Granny. You see, my next door neighbor was my cousin, and he had access to crack cocaine. Man, how slick is the devil placing someone that can feed your addiction just across the driveway? I would come home from work and simply have to walk next door, and with minutes, I was getting high. My granny knew. She made attempts to talk to me, punish me, pray for me. And the whole time I was getting high, I thought, man, <laughs> I got these people fooled. One Christmas Eve, I was enjoying family time and came across a purse filled with $100 bills. It was my uncle's wife's purse. The temptation was placed before me, and I failed miserably. I took the money. I went and got high. And I was lit. when I was confronted about the money, I denied it to the very end. I denied my denial and once again hurt the ones that love me. My uncle wanted nothing to do with me anymore, rightfully so. And I can say that day, Granny, was to go home with the Lord. Thankfully, I was able to be there to see Granny off. I was able to reconcile and ask for forgiveness from my uncle, and it was given to me but only by the powerful grace of God. I graduated college with a degree in health and physical education. I was hired as a teacher in my hometown. I wish I could say that this was the turning point finally for me. However, it was not. I was using drugs and drinking at an alarming rate, all while being a role model and teaching of the young students. My drinking and drug use would culminate to be the end of my teaching career, only after two years. I once again blame God. Anybody in here ever blame God? I have been a good teacher. I've been a good role model. My drinking and drug use was not affecting anyone. If I can do my job and still teach, who was I hurting? Denial 
denial, denial. I got married and moved to North Carolina, taking a dream job, working for a Christian school and doing what I loved. Little did I know that the issues that haunted me would come right back. In 1998, I was charged with a crime that I did not commit. I was charged with a sexual crime that would lead me into a vortex of mistrust, isolation, anger, panic, and depression. My trust in God was over. My trust in humanity was over. I was ready to end my time here on earth based on allegations that I had nothing to do with. Once again, how could God let this happen to me? I was doing his work in his body. Anger towards God hit an all-time high. I hated myself for even believing in a God of misery, lies, and anguish. I spent time in prison for a crime that I did not commit. Why, God, have you forsaken me? You see, I stayed isolated for over 10 years. I would relapse with chemical dependency a couple times during this decade of misery. I was just a walking pile of flesh with no direction, no cares, and I was just a miserable person. I wish I could say I had an epiphany or a miraculous turnaround in my life over those 10 years of isolation. I didn't. I was lost as last year's Easter egg. Quote JD. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Back to my mom. She was more of a friend than a mother over, the, over my adult years. I would eventually attempt to allow her to be mom, but the drinking and partying were the catalyst of our relationship. I still had major abandonment issues and anger towards her. My mom went to her grave, a free-spirited alcoholic and drug abuser who suffered from many major, major medical issues. I never got to say goodbye to my mom or my father. And at, at, after step study, I had realized just how major of an impact not being able to say goodbye to my parents affected me and my walk. I got married and thought that my past was behind me. I became a professional announcer for a local hockey team. I was an officer in the fire department. And once again, how I was giving God another chance. I was in the choir leading men's group, playing softball. I was excited to be involved in allowing, allowing God another chance to show me that he loves me. How jacked up is that? That too came crashing down, and my past reared its ugly head, and Satan used it to divide a church and flatten me once again. At the time, I did not know it. All this that's been going on to me, Satan. I figured since things were going well, God must push me back down and destroy me again. Do you know how terrible that is to think that God is out to get you? That this is what Satan fed my mind, being weak and without direction or guidance. That's exactly what I believe. But back to my isolation and depression for another five years. 
So it came to the point where I was sitting in the living room and something was just pulling at my soul. I thought it was the depression and anxiety. The loneliness had engulfed me. And as I sat in my house looking at the four walls, I could only think, I'm either going to pull the trigger or I'm going to church. Praise God, I decided to come to church. I remember coming down this road right here to freedom. And I was bawling in my car. You see, it was raining that day and I didn't want to ride the, the bike. And I walked in and sat down and I knew one person. I made some small talk. The pastor whom I had known and heard before was preaching. He was preaching on the prodigal son. And I'm sure none of you have ever experienced this. But I promise you, as I sat in that chair right there, and J.D. was up here, there was nobody else in this building. J.D. was pointing right at me and having the prodigal son sermon just for me. I tried so hard to keep my tears in check, and when J.D. finally announced the altar call, I was up, and I grabbed Shake Shaft before J.D. could even say, if you've got business with Jesus today, I was up here on my face. I cried in front of God and people that I did not know, and I asked for help. Jesus spoke to me, and I tasted Jesus that day. Praise God for freedom and using J.D. to speak God's promise and words to a broken man with nothing left to lose. Since then, my life has changed by the accusations in the world telling me that I would never amount to anything and that I should just go lay down in a ditch and die. I had the mindset of, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove every one of them wrong. I achieved many goals that should not have been possible with a label and stigma hanging over my head for the rest of my earthly life. I thought that Doc was going to prove so many people wrong that I was not what they say I am. I am a powerful person that had much to give back to society and my community. I spent all my time trying to prove my innocence and saving what was left of my name and character. I just did not realize that I had nothing, it had nothing to do with me. It was simply me showing up, submitting to Jesus for him to mold my story, to use for others, to use my plight, my story, and my salvation. You see, step 12, yield myself to God to be used to bring the good news to others, both by my example and my word. Matthew 5:10. happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. I have made strides in my life and my recovery. I completed my first step study, and through this I learned that I was abused sexually by my stepmother. I was, it was truly a breakthrough moment for me. I learned to forgive myself, and I learned to forgive others. I realized that God was not angry with me. Folks, hear me. God is not angry with you. He was just preparing me for things that I may not ever understand. It is for his glory. Then we'll continue to worship God even in my valleys. 
I have been involved with Celebrate Recovery and the worship teams and have found a deep and meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ that one time I never thought was possible. Through my recovery, I've met two amazing ladies, and God would reveal to me that we were living in sin. We were shacking up thinking that COVID and all the crazy stuff going on, that this would be beneficial to us all. But the power of my God and the relationship I had with him showed me my error. I wanted to honor my God and these two women in my life. I asked Ashley to be my wife, and I asked Lonnie to allow me to be her bonus dad right here in front of my entire church family. Even though I did not hear her say yes, I do have video of her shaking her head. They have been an anchor for me during my step study and my recovery. They have brought me insurmountable joy and peace. And for that, I praise my God for putting them in my path. Since joining Celebrate Recovery, I became a member of Broken Chains. This community and for every family keep me grounded through accountability and living life together. I found a bunch of bikers who have the love for Jesus and they love to ride for Christ's sake. I do the announcements that celebrate recovery, and I enjoy greeting people and kicking off large groups. Serving the body brings an intimate relationship with Jesus for me. I was asked to join the team in the leadership role as E for the encourager. My wife and I were blessed to join the team as encouragers and took or look forward to the blessings that God has in store for us as we passionately take the role together for the love of our Savior and our family. I have co-led a step study during COVID era and continue to serve in the body of Christ. Through Celebrate Recovery and the healing from the hurts, hang-ups, and habits, I have overcome isolation and self-worth issues by joining the worship teams. I truly enjoy serving and has been said one of my spiritual gifts. Through serving, I get to share the love of Jesus, and it keeps me whole through accountability and community. You see, if it were not for the body of Christ, I could quickly fall back into any one of my hurts, hang-ups, or habits. You see, two are better than one. If either of them falls, one can help the other up. That's Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10. And I truly understand the prodigal son. I wish I could say it's all been Harleys and rainbows, but as I am tested daily and the past continues to show its face from time to time, Satan thinks that he can bring me down, but with Christ, all things are possible. God rocks my world. I have wanted, whew, I have wanted a child of my own since I was old enough to understand. And I truly thank God as he has kept me from having kids due to my stupidity and choices that I made. Ashley and I have been trying to have a child since we got married. A lot of practice, but it just wasn't happening. And it came to the point that we failed time and time again. So what did we do? We came up here to the altar, and we laid it down at the foot of Christ. And we ask God, if it's your will for us to have a child, we leave them here at your feet. 
and we were at peace. We were okay. But wouldn't you know it? <laughs> Two months later, Ashley calls me crying in hysterics, and I think hell has opened up and something is going on. But at the age of 52, my wife cried those tears of joy and told me that we were going to be parents. Wait, what? I could not speak, and I simply and finally cried tears of joy that God would bless us, answer our prayers and our faith and our trust in him. Scotty, come on up. If you are not sure that Christ can do all things in mind that if God's will bless a hot mess like me, imagine what he can do for you. I have surrounded myself with Christ-like people, my crew, the young guns, my life group, my church family. Thank you for loving on us when we're down. Thank you for picking us up when we're in a valley. Thank you for loving on us unconditionally and being part of our lives. You see, living life together is not just a suggestion. It's biblical. And when I am down, this crew lifts me up. When I am in a valley, they walk beside me and they encourage me. I used to isolate, and that got me nowhere. Now, I congregate, and life is full of joy and love. And that is how God intended it to be. I am excited to see what God continues to do in our lives, reveal more shortcomings and other hurts, habits, and hang-ups. For you see, we are a continuing work in Christ. And if we submit to him, he will show us the way to be the salt and the light. All we have to do is listen, submit, and obey. I promise you, if you show up and let God show off, he will rock your world. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Doc. Hey, as we go into our response time, uh, just a quick public service announcement. I get it. If you have to leave at noon, you just got to go. Please do it quietly because I don't want any distractions during this response time. Because if there's someone on the edge of their seat, I don't want us to change their mind. So please, mm -hmm. leave your chairs where they are. If you have to get up and leave, just please get up quietly and go leave. Hey, we're going to do two songs. The first song, Scotty's just going to sing. And then I'm going to come up and do our, our response song, okay? Thanks, Scotty. How many names could I use to explain the love of my Jesus, the life that he gave, and so many times will I praise you today. I lift up my life 
we'll be down here and we'll be we will pray with you Heavenly Father I love you and praise you and just want to want to thank you for giving these examples today of how Christ is working in their lives but Heavenly Father that only starts at the beginning of the day when we surrender to you and we allow you to transform us inwardly to be more in your image all these things I say and pray in your son's holy name. Amen. So this next week, I challenge you guys, when you get up in the morning and you start thinking about your day, you think about, hey, how am I surrendering? And then when we give your family at that night, how was God working in your life? And as you start talking about that at the dinner table, you can start seeing a trend of how God is working in each and every one of our lives, and we become transformed. Thank you, and have a great week.